This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Des Davis. Desmond Davis, also known as Black Drum Hippie, is a Dove Award, Stellar Award, and ASCAP Rhythm and Soul Award-winning Grammy-nominated musician, producer, and writer originally from the west side of Chicago. He's a recent transplant to Nashville, Tennessee, where he's worked with great talent like Hunter Hayes and Mickey Guyton. He is making many inroads in this music town as a great live player and session drummer. Des honed his skills in the Baptist church playing gospel music. However, he is well-rounded with the ability to play various genres, including, but not limited to, rock, pop, country, hip-hop, jazz, R&B, reggae, funk, and blues. If you're interested in supporting what Zach and I do here at the podcast, you can become a Patreon member. Find us at patreon.com slash working drummer. Any donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content that's provided by our former guests. This content covers a variety of topics, but it's all educational and applicable to the working professional. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can make a one-time donation through PayPal, and you can find links to both of these things on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. And while you're there, you can find out more about this episode and the over 300 episodes that we've done over the years. And no matter what your platform of choice is for listening to podcasts, giving us a like, a rating, and review always helps us grow. So Des is one of those players that I've met recently. Uh, We ran into each other at the Music City Drum Show. There was a hang on a Saturday night and uh, just had a chance to sit down and talk to him and just felt like there's more to this guy. There's something going on with his career and uh, followed up with him, saw the things that he was doing, saw the work that he's been doing uh, just through videos and other things like that. And of course, if you're working with someone like Hunter Hayes, Uh, The demands are high, and you have to meet uh, certain criteria to even be in that band. So uh, it was just a fascinating discovery to find uh, such talent, and it uh, constantly surprises me how many great drummers there are uh, in the community for which... uh, for all of us to discover, and um, I I just feel like it's it's a great honor to keep finding talent through this podcast and meet uh, players, great players like Dez. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dez Davis. here uh you know i made a vow to myself like hey um i'll try my best to make my money on the road and studio and stuff like that and um i got a church background so i come from church so i i that's that's pretty much all i knew yeah um and as you know if you play at a big church um that church don't close down and um you know you get paid you still get paid so uh when it came down to the pandemic and, you know, not, not knowing what was going to happen financially. uh, I just, I just looked on the flip side of everything. Like, 
even, you know, friends would tell me like, hey, man, this, this is going on at church. I'm like, hey, you guys are still getting paid. Um, I don't think you guys should be complaining um, yeah, yeah. about anything. Like, I, I think you guys are in a, a, a lucrative situation um, to make happen what you need to make happen. And you're able to pay your bills without without wondering. Um, you have that job security. I don't have that. Um, so I look on the flip side of like everything. Like I don't, I don't complain if some go wrong. It's like, okay, all right, cool. How can we fix it? If we can't fix it in a moment, it is what it is. Yeah. Right. Is it life or death? And, and, right. you know, like at what point do you just kind of, uh, know how to handle weird situations with grace? Yep. Especially when you're the employee uh, or the hired person in in a situation where it's not your career necessarily on the line. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It, it's amazing. Like when I fly to go on a family vacation, I stress over you know the weather, flight schedules. When I'm on a gig, I could care less. I'm still going to get paid. <laughs> um, I mean, I want to play. Yep. I want to do that, but uh, but uh, <laughs> definitely a, a different perspective. Yeah, for sure. So during the pandemic, um, it, it's interesting. We're kind of weaning ourselves off the pandemic conversation because during that time, you know, we were asking, "Man, how are you doing it?" Or, or uh, you know, as things were kind of coming to uh, coming back to normal, we were talking about how people survive. But it's interesting; it's become less of a thing. But you moved to Nashville in what 2019? Yes, sir. Okay, yep. so did you have a gig when you moved here? Um, yeah, so I moved. I moved in 2019, and um, I auditioned for um, Hunter Hayes. Okay, and okay. end up getting it. Uh, <laughs> big shout out to my my big brother Hubert Payne and um, oh cool Andy Sheridan. But yeah, I end up getting it. So that's I moved to town with a gig essentially. Yes. All right, and then pandemic happened. We toured for a year. Pandemic yeah. hit right after that, um, and you know we were chilling, and uh, I I was forced to um, to so during that time when we were on the road, I I started buying like a mic a month, so I would buy a microphone a month, um, cables. Thank God I'm I, I'm with a couple companies that uh, supply me with certain things and, and made sure I can get through what I need to get through. But for the most part, like I bought a mic a month. Um, I started off with an interface and just things to record, to be able to make money because I, I needed to figure out a way um, to do that. Oh, it, during the touring, you were buying microphones. So during the tour, I was buying microphones and just studio stuff, speakers, whatever. whatever Anticipating like. that you wanted to be doing this. I mean, yep. <laughs> You didn't know that a pandemic was happening. And we were going to be shut in. <laughs> I, I was. I, yeah. Yep. I was cutting. I was cutting a lot back home in Chicago. Um, uh -huh. And I would go over to the producer's house and, um, you know, record there. So I didn't technically I didn't even have a setup back home in Chicago. I would just go over to the producer's house. So I was like, man, I, I need I need a spot to to cut. You know, what I mean, at least to get some good signal through um, and whatever the producers want to do after that. That's on them. It, it's interesting. Uh, you, so I know you worked with Hunter. Uh, my son is at the School of the Arts. He's a senior this year and here in Nashville. And he's a guitar and voice major. And in the guitar department, there's a whole studio rig. It's, it's Pro Tools, Focusrite, 
all the, I mean, when we first went there to visit the school, it was decked out and it was amazing. Wow. And so uh, the, the, the teacher was like, yeah, this was donated by uh, a singer, Hunter Hayes. Uh, this whole rig, I mean, it's amazing, the, wow. the layout. And uh, it stated, I mean, any of us would, would love to have what Hunter donated. So shout out to him and, and, yeah, and the stuff that he did. Yeah, he's a great guy, man. I'm, I'm not surprised that he did that. Okay, that's amazing. I love that. that. He's definitely a giver for sure. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, did you know Steve Sinatra that worked with him? Um, so I, I've heard of Steve a lot. I've, a lot of the videos I watched um, of Hunter was uh, Steve okay. playing. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to meet him. Yeah. Um, hopefully I get a chance to meet him while, you know, I know he's back in town, so it, it'll be great to catch up with him, but I don't, I don't know him personally. Okay, okay. St- Steve's great. We, um, we've had him on in the past, um, and uh, we've had some personal interaction as well. Just like, he's just a, just a heavy guy, very spiritual man. Um, I, I, I think he'd be a great person to, great. if you ever run into him, man. He's just a Sweet. sweetheart. And I'm what a great player. Gonna, I, he's definitely a great player, and I'm, I'm sure he's um, <laughs> an incredible person. I, I've definitely heard stories about Steve and you know, because he was with Hunter early on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yep. Let me ask you about that gig. Um, somebody brought up this idea that I hadn't thought about for a while, but he said that cattle calls are no longer a thing in Nashville. And I hadn't thought of that for a while. I was like, you know what? I think you're right. Like, I think there was a time when – Hey, so and so is holding auditions, and or you know, not only in Nashville but anywhere, and it made me realize that's that's really not a thing. And I think that knowing that recommendations has always been kind of the uh, the key to getting gigs. Uh, that's been more the norm, and I think uh, having access to digital content where someone can say, hey, I want to recommend Des Davis. Well, I don't know who that is. Well, here, check him out. And they put their phone up in their list and, oh, great. Yeah, let's take him out for a weekend and see how that goes. Can you tell me how the gig came about? You mentioned Hubert. How the gig came about? So, um, never forget this day. Um, So, at this point, I had been knowing Hubert for probably four four years um i met him and adam box at the same time oh wow, um, great uh brothers osborne was opening for david neal so that's how far back um uh, not it's not that far back but we go a little a little way yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um i so i bowl on mondays i was bowling on mondays back at home um that's kind of my escape i love <laughs> escape it escape way for awesome. music and drums um so me and hubert kept in touch we would texts and you know stuff like that we never really rarely we talked on the phone um and he called me this monday and i had like my score i'm a real competitive bowler and my score (laughs) my score was like 260 at this point um and i looked at my phone and i was like dang i'm like hugh called me um dang i'm I'm gonna call him back because i i don't know what this is so i was i missed his call i got up and it was my time to bowl. So I called him while I had the bowling ball in my hand bowling. So <laughs> I, I I bowled, walked out. He answered the phone. Um, and he was like, hey, man, what's up? Uh, I was like, what's up, bro? How you doing? He was like, mm, good. He was like, man, it sounds like you're busy. I'm like, 
No, I'm just bowling. Um, <laughs> I'm just bowling. I bowl on Mondays. And uh, he was like, okay, cool. He was like, what you got? What you got happening this year? I was like, you know, the normal church, wedding band stuff, um, just, you know, one-off gigs with artists, stuff like that. Nothing, nothing major or whatever. He was like, all right, cool. And he hung up the phone. That was it. He was like, all right, cool. And he hung up the phone. Didn't say bye anything. Wow. Just hung up the phone. <laughs> so I was like, all right, cool. So I ended up um, a few months before that, I did like a cover of um, one of Hunter Hayes songs, Dear God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just sent it to him. And he called me back. He was like, bro, did I tell you who this is for? I was like, nah. He was like, this is crazy. He was like, it's for Hunter. Wow. And I was like, no way. He was like, yeah, bro. He was like, uh, Andy about to call you. Um, whatever it is, you know, that need to be worked out as far as your, you know, you staying, um, you can stay at my house. I don't, I don't care. Um, he was like, but Andy is about to call you and you need to get here by like Thursday or something like that. So I was like, all right, cool. Hung up the phone. Andy called me. We talked for a minute, chopped it up. He was like, all right, cool. Um, we already got the core guys. We just looking for a drummer. Um, and, uh, he was like, man, can you get here by this time? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Um, so I got there, flew there, Hubert al- al- allowed me to stay at his house, man. That, at, that guy has done oh, yeah, yeah. so much for me in a short amount of time, but he allowed me to stay at his house, hang with his family, all that type of stuff. Took me to the audition, like sat with me and like made sure I had drums and everything. Um, and he was like, man, look. Go in here. I already know what you're going to do, man. Be you. Um, they sing your video. Hunter know who you are. Um, have fun. You know, have fun. Mm-hmm. So went in there. It was cool. We did a couple run-throughs. And uh, Hunter was like, how about, how about, would you want to come on tour? I'm like, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, for sure. So that's that's pretty much in a nutshell um how that happened but like i i the 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 calling for audition thing like i if i didn't work out of course they would have went with somebody else or if 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 i wasn't the right fit they would have went with another individual but i was grateful to have that opportunity and tour with those guys like it, it was a great amazing group of guys and that that was pretty much my family when i moved here cuz nobody my family is all in chicago right so everybody that I knew was back home and, you know, these guys, you know, they helped me move into my apartment, oh my all gosh. type of stuff, man. So like, um, these guys are, you know, that, that tour with Hunter with me are pretty much family, man, at this, like their family at this point. Um, but yeah, that's how it happened. Hubert called me on a Monday, um, asked me what I was doing. Andy Sheridan followed up and, um, that's how I went from there. Did you know the material that you were going to be auditioning on? Um, I think Andy sent me, yeah, Andy sent me a couple songs. It was like three songs or something like that. Yeah. Um, Andy sent me a couple songs and he was like, yo, just learn them to the best of your ability. And, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out when you get here. And that was, that was literally that. So it was no, like, uh, you know, no, like a whole thing of like, all right, this is was a whole lot of prep time because it was literally like Monday. And I think I flew out like Wednesday. Um, and and that's the thing. I mean, like I, they, it sounded like they wanted to hear you. They wanted, I mean, they had already seen you. It's like, you don't need to play like it is on the record. We just, we want to hear your voice. 
Yep. And 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 Hunter is uh Hunter is an incredible musician, man. Um mm-hmm. he's <laughs> he's uh he's for sure a musician. Um and he was like, yo, let's just let's just play. And yeah. let's see, let's see what we come up with. He's a he's a big jammer. He loves to he loves to jam. So That's what I hear. Yeah. Um it's a fun, it's a fun gig. He he allows you to be yourself and express yourself within the parameters of the music. Once he trusts you, yeah. It's it's it 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 can go from from zero to a hundred real quick. That's amazing. Yeah, I've 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 heard that. Um, and that, that tour came to an end Well, and then the pandemic and, and yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I was, you know, forced to kind of get my, my studio stuff up. Um, shout out to, uh, another friend, big homie of mine, Lester Estelle. Um, Mm -hmm. he's helped me with a lot of just getting, getting my rig dialed in, what I should be looking at. Um, and just what avenue to go to, uh, build stuff. One of the things I wanted to ask you about as everyone is diving into the home studio thing, especially over the last few years, what kind of things that did Lester recommend? I mean, what, what has been the thing that has got you up to speed with your home studio? Could you talk to, talk to some of that? So he would, he would, um, Lester always sends the things to get. So when when I mean by the things to get, yeah. they're the most expensive things <laughs> ever, right? They're they're super expensive. And um, <laughs> are you are you buying this for me, Lester? Or <laughs> right, that, that's what that's where I'm at with him. But um, he 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 was like, hey, uh, you know, API, Neve, um, SSL, like all of that stuff is you know top of the line, and I'm sure you're gonna want some of that stuff um, yeah. in your signal chain. He was like, but hey, <clears throat> it's a company called Cappy that make uh, great preamps and EQs. And, yeah, Adam um, Box mentioned that as well. He was like, man, it's a great, it's a great company. And here's the thing. I, when, I, when I first got here, I went to Adam's house and I had no clue of what was really what. Yeah. And um, I looked at a picture and then I went to Adam's house and I was like, boom that those probably are the same preamps. And I looked at them and they said Cappy on them. And I was like, cool. All right. I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm going in the right direction, but Lester was like, Hey, it's a company called Cappy. Um, they're in town, but it's plenty of people that, uh, that, you know, would put them together for you. Um, find you somebody that, you know, that you, that you trust and wouldn't mind spending your money with, um, get some of that stuff just to see the difference between, running straight into an interface yeah and the difference between running into a preamp to your interface and then you'll see the the tonal difference how much weight your drums will have and i just started off there like i started off um with uh some warm audio e- uh pre's and eq's so yeah. i started off with the the 412 um which is four pre's in a box um and then i went to the uh the cappy uh, the 500 series where, you know, it's like a cartridge you put right in front, right into a chassis and started building from there. And then, you know, one thing after another, uh, you know, whatever he would like mention that was within reason in my price range, <laughs> I would I would grab it. Um, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, and just ask him que- like bug him all the time. Ask some questions about it. I have a friend of mine that's like that. He's like, "Hey man, this is on sale or oh my check God. this out." And I'm like, "Oh, 
thank you. Thanks. And, you know, I mean, I'm glad that, you know, he's looking out for me, but yep. sometimes it's like, oh, dude, not this week. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, yep. So how many preamps are you running? Are you running everything through? And 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 can you spell that for me, Cappy? Cappy is spelled C-A-P-I. Okay. Okay. Ooh, um, that's, that's clever. A-P-I. Clever, right? A C in front of A-P-I, yep. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I so I'm running every every microphone is going through a preamp. Um, the things that have EQs on them is my kick, my snare, snare bottom. Ooh. Um, depending on tom spec, what I'm using around that time, like what what the song calls for, um, I'll put like if I'm playing one up one down. I'll run those through my Dakings, which is a 1073 EQ. But like my overheads don't have any EQs on them. Um, And that's pretty much it. Like I got a couple distressors. I got two distressors. I got um, two DBX 160s. And then I got a warm audio uh, 1176. So essentially five compressors and like um, 19... 19 pre's and um, probably like 10 or 12 EQs. Interesting. So, yeah. It, it, it's it's funny. I mean, I think for a lot of us, we were we grew up around it. We've seen it. We've looked over engineers' shoulders. We've we've done those things, and, and now we're all kind of playing catch-up with it. And, you know, more and more, I'm meeting more and more people that have grown up, you know, understanding it and, and – uh, you don't have to go too far back where somebody would say, you know, 1073. And I would have been like, I don't, those are just numbers to me. I have no idea what you're talking about. So (laughs) it's, it's a constant thing. And, um, sometimes you just got to jump on YouTube and when you want to watch something, you know, get on there and, and, and see what's up because people are hiring you to be drummer and come up with ideas for the part. That's what we've always done. But they're also hiring you for your engineering expertise and your ear. And you are going to know what the song needs. We've done that for years. Oh, this is the ride symbol I'm going to use on this track. Yep. This is this is calling for my gush snare. Yeah. Well, now we're doing the same thing, but with EQ, you know, and it's like just transferring that knowledge and your ear to that realm of the world it should be a, a just a, a nice step in that direction yep and i'll be honest like I, i'll i'll say this like i i don't know um a whole lot about eq and pretty much nothing like i i base everything i'm a hands-on learner so like i base everything on my ear um i right now i'm transitioning to try uh to learn about eqing and you know what i could say right away to you know help a monitor engineer give me what i'm looking for quicker uh but other than that like i i literally sit here and turn knobs i'll go back to the drums and be like all right this is not good and i'll tweak it back but it's very minimal um eqing on my end like i I want the producer to be able to do whatever he or she wants to do with uh the drum files but i also want to deliver um some some real beefy drums and just clean signal um yeah, so yeah. that 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 is what i've been working on i've been working on that for a minute because I, I 
I don't I don't know much about, you know, <laughs> I've been around computers all my life, but I, I don't I try like I'm not computer savvy. I'm literally <laughs> like, hey, I, let me put my ear on it and I'll figure out like try to figure out what's the best application. But two things, man, and, and I think uh, f- for you, but I, I think this applies to just about everybody. But using you as an example, there's two things here. You can pick up the phone anytime you need to and and call somebody, you know, whether it's Lester yep. or whoever, and say, dude, I got a problem. And you know they'll come running. Come through, and, and yep. They'll come through. The other thing is you've got good ears. You know, I, I worked years ago with a producer that worked – with everyone from, uh, you know, Faith Hill to uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Mm. And when he was in, I I was doing a session and he was in the control room turning knobs and the engineer looked at me and goes, he doesn't know what this stuff does. He just turns shit until it sounds good. And he knows. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. Uh, That was just a lesson right there. I'm like, he just knows what sounds good. You know, he yep. doesn't have to know all the ins and outs of it. And so if any, anyone is feeling apprehensive about, well, I don't really understand all this stuff. It's like, man, forget that. Like, use your experience as a musician uh, to 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 get going, you know. Yep, and what you need, just trust your, I, I would say trust your ear. Yeah. Um, it, it's so much like I, I my, my brothers and cousins um, are really good at what they do, but... Um, they taught me like, Hey, you need to know how a drum function from tension to mm-hmm. how they put the lugs on to what wood it is, all of what heads you need to choose for work, certain drums and what works and what don't works. And, and to be honest, it's really no wrong or right way, but drums do have a certain, all drums have a sweet spot and where they like to be bent at and if you go beyond that sometimes it's not a good sound yeah um and you know I, i've been taught like hey find the sweet spot of the drum know what's going on know your different woods maple bubinga copper chrome over brass like know what wh- who used this snare and why they use that snare right and what that snare has to offer um so i'm i'm really a big nerd uh, when it come down to like when it come down to like drum tones and stuff like that, but like the the techie side of engineering, man, please, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I always find it fascinating when I when I was working retail, all these signature drums from like Yamaha and Pearl and all these companies were coming out with you know whether it was Manu Kache or Steve Gadd or Steve Ferroni, uh, and I'm like. This is just a black beauty. These are all black beauty copies because that was the drum or that yep. is the drum, you know? Yep. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're based on those things and just kind of having a knowledge of that construction and why people are using it and why it, some of these drums and snares and whatever have made it on all these hit records. Yep. And that, and that's the, that's the big, that's the big thing. Like I, I, I've learned like take the time to learn what you need to learn so you can get around things a lot easier. Um, you know, even in town, like certain drums may not work in a certain studio. It's <laughs> so like, it just, you may not get that same tone that you got at studio a, you know what I mean? You go yeah. to studio B and you like, ah, this is not <laughs> the same drum. 
Some clubs are like that too, man. Yep. I, I, when I play in town, I, I play the kind of the same three or four clubs, and and uh, I I'm starting to wrap my head around what snare drum I like in this club. Sometimes it's just the way the mix is or who's engineering mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it was very, very, very much a rabbit hole, and <laughs> not well, putting, try, not trying to put yourself in one. Yeah. Well, tell me about Chicago. Like, how did how's that shaped you? Um, so I, of course, grew up in Chicago, um, born and raised. My mom grew up in a Baptist church. My mom was a singer. Um, my family is pretty um, well known in, in the gospel music industry and just in the music industry in general. Um, so my home church, I didn't really play a lot um, at my home church because my uncle and my cousin was playing. Mm-hmm. Um so that was that. So I just pretty much watched and tap on the drums every now and then when, you know, when they weren't around. But I didn't play much there. My We then moved and went to another church and my uh, my brother was the drummer there. And um, that was that. Like he, he it was pretty much the same thing until an incident happened where he got into a life changing situation. He his hand got smashed. Um, he was working for UPS hand got messed up and I had to start playing. So I pretty much didn't play much at my home church. Uh, but yeah, started in church, went through the ringers of playing for a community choir. Um, but, but growing up before that was just assumed that, yeah, I'm, I'm playing drums. Did you ever remember that time? Yeah. I, so, so for me younger, um, I used to play at, so we, I I grew up on the west side of Chicago, so not too far from the United Center. Um, So I, I would play at every church in that area. When, like when I got to a certain age where my mom felt comfortable with dropping me off. Yeah. uh, She, I would go and like volunteer my service. Um, I played at a Methodist church, played at like a Baptist church. Like it, it was crazy. Any church in that area can vouch for me and say, I, I played there. Okay. <laughs> so that that was pretty much my my life, you know, when I was younger. When I got probably like fifteen, like probably probably fourteen or fifteen, I, I started playing for community choirs. And um they, you know, at pretty much a young young youth choir. Everybody was from thirteen to eighteen. Um wow. and you know, it was just a community of kids that, you know, love God and wanted to do something with their time. So for me, I didn't get a chance to play right away in that community choir. Um, it was guys that were already in line that were playing. Um, shout out the the community choirs is called G three, um, but that community choir and the 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 founder of that community choir, his name is Donald Buster Woods, a great teacher, just an incredible teacher, incredible musician, organist, um, but it was guys in front of me. So we always got laughed uh, laughed or crack jokes about around town because we had so many musicians. It was, it it was five drummers at one time. It would be three or four bass players. It would be probably four organists um, and keyboard players at one time. So uh, two guitar players or something like that. So at any given time, like we never knew what we were playing. Never like it was never a time where they were like, hey, 
this is what we're doing. This is the songs we're singing this uh, Saturday. Never. That never happened. <laughs> so it would be like Buster would call a song and be like, all right, yeah, we doing we doing. Um, He's great. He's great. Won my song. So <laughs> like when he call it out, you know, at that time is like everybody looking around, waiting for him to call a song out and you don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the person that played He's Great will have to run up to the drums and play. You didn't have time to set up. You didn't have time to get comfortable with none of that. You just have to play and be right. confident in what what was going on. So that that within itself taught me a whole lot. And my first song with uh, G3 was a ballad. Um, it really wasn't much for me to kind of showcase um, anything. And, and that's where, you know, early on, like, I knew I love like singer songwriter. I love songs. I love playing parts. I love making things come together um, opposed to like showing what I could do. So, you know, early on Buster was, you know, very protective of me. He, I didn't play a whole lot. Like I, it was older guys that was in that seat that, you know, he, he felt were ready to embark on what was going on. So like, I didn't get a, you know, I didn't get a chance to, uh, play a whole lot until those older guys kind of left or whatever the case may be. It didn't show up. But it sounds like you had a chance to just let all that stew and kind of just, and watch and observe. I did. And, I did. And then with that somewhat, I guess, kind of competition, but community at the same time, mm-hmm. the combination of those two things had to instill uh, a certain amount of confidence in you. It did. You it had did. to. It did. You had to it overcome was, some fear and some of that intimidation of experienced players around you, watching you. And that is one of the key components to being a great drummer is confidence. Todd Zuckerman was just that. talking about that on Instagram yesterday, and it was just like everyone in the band on stage and in the audience expects that confidence to come from you. You got to have it. Yeah. You got to have it. I, I I know for a fact, like um, it was some it was some real tough times. Like I I in in where I come from, it's it's a lot of um, you you wanna you wanna prove that you can do things, and um, Chicago is everybody. You know, I don't like to embark on anything bad on my city. Um, I always speak positive and highly of my city, but mm-hmm. we are tough when it come down to excellence yeah we're, we're tough on that and um in the gospel community like you you have to present a certain level of playing um well does does you're excellent man i've, man, I've seen you. you and heard thank you you. <laughs> you are thank you, you are excellent <laughs> it's uh, man the glory to god it's 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 a certain <laughs> it's a certain thing that you know and that you have to present and be like, oh, okay, well, he's ready. He can, he can go to the, because you only really, you only really get one chance, you know, and, and you don't want to, you don't want to mess that up. You know, uh, like you, it's tough. It's a tough environment. Um, as far as like growing up and being able to like figure out how everything is competitive in Chicago to say the least, like it, it's just, once you find your niche, you have to understand that you're 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 not the only one that's good at it. You know what I mean? Like you you have to oh, yeah. still put forth some effort to um to to be better. And my favorite thing I say about my city, Chicago taught me how to survive. 
Mm. It taught me how to really, really survive. Like, hands down, teeth to the metal, fighting the ground. Like, it, it, show, it sh- really taught me and showed me how to survive. Really. So are you saying that kind of this is what I do and this is where I can stand out as opposed to try and be like everyone else? Is that what you is that a component yeah, I, of, of that? It's, 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 it's definitely a component of that. I think the the it's easy. I always I always say it's easy to mimic somebody. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to figure out who you are. And along that time, like. If you don't take the time to study yourself, um, you can get lost trying to be somebody else, man. And, and that's never what God intended mm. for you to be. And um, for me, I always knew at an early age, like I, I love my mom played Marvin Gaye, James Brown, Sly, uh, uh, Earth Wind, like all of the old school stuff that just felt good. Yeah. And I learned chops later. And the biggest thing for me was. I knew like I wasn't going to stay in Chicago forever. I knew it. And and I used to bump my head so much trying to figure out how could I get out of this? Like, how could I how could I go and just go and do what I really wanted to do? And, you know, I, for me, I was like, man, I know I love country and pop and singer songwriter music like I'm in the wrong place for that. And I think I was getting so frustrated because I knew I was in the wrong place, but it wasn't the right time. And, you know, God used somebody like Hubert to, you know, to to help me kind of figure out the situation, man. And, um, you know, like I said, it's 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 a lot. It's a, it's a lot, man. But once you get on the other side of um, of the fence, it's, it's much more rewarding. But Chicago is a awesome city. It's an awesome city to grow, learn. Yeah. Um, and it, it definitely what I take away from it is it, it taught me how to survive. Yeah. And it also sounds like there are some things about working in church and working in, in a Baptist church kind of situation where you're going to learn certain things that you're going to be able to carry with you onto the gig. Yep. On so, the fly. Yeah. Everything yeah. Yeah. It's on the fly. <laughs> the couple of things I wrote down uh, and I wonder if you could speak to this is. And you already have to a degree is is being able to read the audience, be able to follow the singer, being able to pivot like quickly. I mean, any is are those true and, and anything more that I that you could speak to? Yeah, it's it's definitely in 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 um in the Baptist church. I'll just say in in the black church, like it's so much, it's so many elements of like now looking on the other side, like it's so many elements of the road that the church, the black church teaches you Mm -hmm. like something goes wrong, like play through it. You know, don't, 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 don't kill yourself over it. Play through it. Follow the singer, follow what's going on. Of course, technology. Now we got, we follow in computers now. So, um, but you know, just learning how to be, um, learning how to, how to be a professional on the job. Um, right. Right. It's so much happening. Like I said, it's so much happening in the church. Uh, like if you if you're not playing with an NPC or a loop or a click, um, sometimes, you know, the singer may say when I was younger, the singer would be like, hey, let's speed this up. You know what I mean, like, but we'll just rehearse and you wanted it slow. It's no time to go back and forth with the singer. Let's just speed it up. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. just things like that, that that teaches you, like how to respond correctly, yeah. Um, yeah. how to how to be 
how to just how to be a pro. Um, and, and some sometimes, you know, a lot of the stuff that happens in the church can uh, honestly go over your head if you're not paying attention because it it happens so fast. Just, um, but just heads up, man. Just just head out of the chart, head out of the out of your lap. Just looking up, yep. looking around. Pay I, attention. Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention. That's a that's the biggest the biggest thing I've you know, learned in church. If you pay attention, you can segue, you can, you can get through what you need to get through. But if you're not paying attention, man, musicians love that. Um, singers love that. Uh, people that have big egos and narcissists, uh, love that, that you're paying attention to them. And a lot of times those are the personalities that are hiring you, you know, for sure, (laughs) for sure, for sure. A hundred percent. Mike, Mike, one of the questions I had is what drew you to Nashville? And I think you've kind of answered that. I mean, did you always know that Nashville was the place? Yeah. So for me, I um, like I said, I love singer, singer, songwriter um, music. I love country. I love pop. And I didn't want to go. L.A. was on the list to go. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't I didn't want to be that far away from my family. Um, whether it was flying a four hour flight is a lot <laughs> to, um, but I, and then, uh, you know, 24 hour or whatever drive, that's, that's kind of crazy. So I was like, man, you know, I don't think I'm going to get much country and pop in LA. I think I'm probably get pop, hip hop, stuff like that. Um, man, I, I I'm going to go to Nashville. So we visited, um, me and my now my wife, we visited a couple of times and um, I was like, man, I really like it here. Like, I like how chill it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how it, in certain certain ways it, it remind me of Chicago um, where I used to stay in Chicago. Um, it remind me um, of that. But like just the just how just how nice everybody is like that, that that. That really geared me in the in a position of being like man look it's still it's still a lot of it's still a lot of world out here that you haven't seen and um i felt like nashville was a place where i can build build a family i'm young i'm 31 Mm -hmm. um and just being able to be in a position where i'm going after things that i want that 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 was the that was the initial goal for me like des what do you want what yeah. do you want to do, and where do you see yourself? And I, I always see myself in Nashville. Anybody yeah. that know me from when I was a, a teen or even younger, they'll tell you I like country and pop. They'll tell you that. I mean, you you, you come across as a very sweet soul. Uh, <laughs> I try to be. I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and I mean, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, so I'm I'm a Midwest guy. Midwest, and when yep. my wife and I came down here, it it took a little bit of adjusting to how nice people were, and it almost was a little off putting at times. My wife said, "For sure." She said to me once, "She goes, if one more old lady comes up to me and calls me sweetie, I swear to God." <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so foreign in the Midwest, like it is. nobody speaks. Like it's 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 weird when somebody actually acts you like, "How you doing?" You know, "How how are you feeling today?" Yeah, and yeah. they mean it. Like it's 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 so weird. But it's like, what do you? That want? was one of the ways. What do you want? Yeah, right. What's what's going on now? What 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 do you need? Because you're so in you so in um you so in defense mode right. that you know it, it that that is what it is. Yeah. It's interesting. Is there anything about Nashville that's surprised you? 
that you didn't know? Like pleasantly or maybe like, ooh, I didn't expect this. Um, I, I, I think that would be really the only thing. I kind of, I, I kind of, any situation I go into, I just kind of, I, I always have my eyes open. Yeah. So I, I, I try my hardest to like, just pay attention to how, how the flow of the city is going, what's happening. Um, but uh, I, what did surprise me? Cause I'm, I'm a big food guy. I love food. Uh, Nashville got some good food. That's interesting. You say that cause I'm, I moved here in 2000 and it did not have good food. Ah. It was a food desert. I mean, we were mm. just not happy about that, but it has changed in beautiful ways. Yeah, you are you are OG in Nashville. I'm 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 a newcomer. Yeah, yeah. I gotta take you I gotta take you to a, a spot called Rhythm and Spice. It's a Caribbean oh, spot. It's yeah. incredible. That sounds it's incredible. great. It's incredible. There's also there's a place in, 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 down here south of town called um uh, gosh, both my sons have worked there and turned me on to it. it is subculture. Ah, never been there. It's like gourmet food truck. Wow. Yeah, I got to check that out. This is the part where I cut out because <laughs> people are going to be like, dude, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> There's something you said in an interview that I, I came across about moving to Nashville. And uh, I want to read this and get your reaction to it. Okay. You said, so much of my life I had a 70-30 relationship with God. Once I moved to Nashville, I started to give all 100% and haven't looked back since. Um, man, I, it's a, it's a lot. Like I, so I, the biggest thing for me, I, I love like anybody, any human, you love control. You love to have control over situations and knowing what's going on. Um, I knew that when I, before I even moved here, it would require me giving, giving up the control that that was a big thing. And I, I felt like that was a lot of the reason why a lot of dots didn't connect for me. Um, and everything happens in within time, but, uh, I, I would definitely give God 30% and be like, I got the rest. I can, I can handle this. And I hit my head every time, bump my head every time. Mm-hmm. And, um, I got, I got tired of that. I got tired of one fighting myself uh, and, and just thinking, you know, I knew it. I like, I knew how to get to this place, to that place. And I finally got, you know, to a point where God broke me down. and was like, I was like, all right, God, you got me, whatever, whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. Cause at, at, at a certain, at a certain point, I felt like it was just so much like, and, and putting myself in situations where, I had I honestly had no control, but I thought I had control. And I'm like, dude, you have no control over this. Like you just need to like leave it alone. And once I did that, God had already worked it out. Like I I I was, you know, complaining and fussing about fussing about things that God had already worked out. And once I it was all in my face the whole time, but I was so selfish and naive and just being, you know, just being a, a human, man. And yeah. um, I was like, I just need to get out of God's way. And when I got out of his way, he worked everything out beyond what I can, what I can even phantom 
to to put in my mind like the the hunter situation from the hunter situation to mickey like all of this stuff i, I like what i'm doing in between time how I'm, how i'm keeping bit like i couldn't i couldn't have put that together myself man and um being in a position where you're you're you trying to figure it out and whoever you believe in like i i believe in i believe in god Mm-hmm. And I, I just got tired of bumping my head, man. Like I, I can't. Yeah, and that's the only way I can explain it. And I felt like I was just hitting a wall every time. Like, dude, you you just need to leave it alone and just let God work it out. So that that a hundred percent was was already supposed to be given to God, man. And I just felt like you know, just give it to Him, man. You you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like you have right, no clue. Right. Well, and and one of the things that I was thinking about asking, but you kind of mentioned it there in a second, is just kind of for the listener that maybe doesn't have the same um, beliefs as you yeah. do, as I do. What would be your advice to them? Or kind of like just just get out of your own way. Maybe. Yep. Get get out of your own way, man. And um, at the end of the day, the situation is always going to get worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you know what's going to happen or not, like it's going to get worked out. And I also believe like humans, we stress so much about things and, and rightfully so when, when your feelings are in it, you know, and you, you're very well yeah. involved. I, you should have some type of feeling, but we stress so much about things that it's far beyond our control. Yep. And, and yeah. if we just allow that, to do take its course like we'll be much better off i don't i don't it's hard and it's hard to allow things to take its course when you can be like hey i could just figure it out real quick um just that relieves so much stress you don't you don't put anything on yourself you don't really have any expectations of the situation um and you just let it be what it's gonna be and that I, that's the if I wasn't a believer, that's how I would look at it. Mm-hmm. I would sure. just leave it as be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We t- we mentioned that like when we first started chatting about traveling and not knowing if flights are gonna be on time or the weather or different things like that. And some of the, so much of that is out of our control. And just to kind of let that go, especially when you're Way traveling for gigs and stuff. It's like, dude, we're going to get there when we're going to get there and the gig's going to happen or it's not. And, uh, you know, whatever. And yeah, just that way that gives you, leaves some in the tank for dealing with stuff that matters. That like, bingo, bingo. Right. Cause you, I, one thing I have learned that when, when we operate in a, a, a space of like just stress and there's so much going on, we overwhelm. What happens is, we change the energy of whoever's around us. We oh, put yeah. that energy on them. Yeah. Um, so when you when you're worried about certain things, like I, I say it all the time, man, like that energy is transferable. Like we're we're literally like whether it's on your kids, if you get up in the morning, some made you mad last night, or your spouse, like you're transferring that energy, whether yeah. you believe it or not, and they can feel that, and that's the space. I never want to be in unless it's positive energy. I, I, I felt that 
when we first met, Des, uh, that there's just a positive energy about you, man. That was man, yeah. same, same, the same with you, man. The so same with palpable you. for sure. And and we've mentioned Hubert a few times, and anyone that knows him, he just he he's a, he's another one of those people that I have I have a a list of friends and people that I know that when I think about them, I think. I want to be more like this person and, and Hubert Payne is in that category for me. For sure. You know, it's for like, sure. I, I know I have, I know I'm capable of it, but it's nice that these people are put into my life in one fashion or another to, to give me an example of, of, of that. For sure. And I, and I also want to mention like, um, family members of mine, um, that are in the, you know, they're in the music industry. Uh, Tavares Johnson, Cedric Kraut, and Thaddeus Johnson. Um, those are the those are the guys that you know that they are they're blood, but those are the guys that took me in, and you know that's where I got my start uh, back home. You know that's that's you know that's who I watched when I was young, and was yeah. like, hey, these guys are these guys are my guys. That's amazing. You have a history with songwriting. Yes, sir. And some some you know great recognition with with some of the songwriting. Are you continuing to be involved in that in some fashion? Um, I'm trying my hardest. I, so the thing for me was the 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 song that that um, won awards and accolades or whatever. Um, that was my that wasn't my first song I wrote or said. That was the first time me sitting down with a actual team and group of people yeah and and coming up with that uh but i i'm so i'm so focused on right now in this stage of my life like um the road and like being a better like session musician yeah um and just being a better person like i'm not putting that to the side like me and my brothers will work on something or you know but i'm not I know people that are like geared to, you know, singer songwriter or geared to producing. I'm, I'm geared to like figuring out how I can, you know, how things can set up and what avenues or how even which way I need to segue between certain things. Um, that deliver me song that, um, you're speaking of that song came from an artist. I was MDing at the time. And, uh, we, you know, he, we sat down and, that's what we came up with. And, you know, Donald Lawrence took that song and he was like, Hey, I want to put it on my record, added some stuff to it. And that song, you know, did very, it's doing very well. That's amazing. Um, but for me, I, 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 I love, I believe any, you know, most drummers and musicians can write and sing a little bit um, because we're around it so much. Yeah. Uh, But like for me, I, I really want to, hone in on um what what i came here for and i feel like you know if i if i put if i put more effort towards that than navigating in all these different type of areas um maybe that will happen naturally yep i and it's gonna happen i just don't i i just don't want to be like all right i'm just only gonna focus on um writing and stuff like that like i i'm so I, I have a tunnel vision with it um, where I'm like, Hey, I want to, I really want to do this. Yeah. Um, this is what I, this is what I 
moved here for. Well, well um, clar- clarify that. What what did you move to Nashville for? So I moved to Nashville to tour, and I want I definitely want to be um, a session musician, mm-hmm. like a, a, a in town session musician. So a lot of the stuff session wise that I'm doing now is from accounts that I already had. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Back home in Chicago. So yeah. I, I feel like it's it's almost like styles of music. I mean, not to to detour anyone that that wants to have a lot on their plate or do many many different things. I think it's amazing, especially some of the people I know that do that. Um, but uh, when we're coming up, we're learning all different styles, and then some things just resonate with you. And you, and 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 it's you again. I mean, there's always exceptions exceptions to this, but I feel like. We become jacks of all trades, but master of none. At least for mm-hmm. me, that that was a thing that kind of uh, that that idea that I learned from Kenny Arnoff was find something that you love and focus on that. And become really good at that. And um, for me, it was just different styles. And now that technology and the industry is opening up doors for us to do more writing engineering, yep. producing, adding to your list, your resume as being more than just a drummer, it's so tempting to do that. And it's also a, a bit of a requirement, mm-hmm. you know, to survive. Um, yep. but, I, but at the same time, I, I, it, it might be advantageous to focus on a few things that, again, really resonate with you. Um, and find out maybe some of the things that don't resonate with you. Um, but maybe we find ourselves doing them like, man, I, I, everyone is doing this. Maybe I should do more of that. And like, maybe I should be recording at home, but then you find you don't really like it. Or maybe I should right. be teaching and then you find you don't really, well, don't do that, you know? Right. Yep. Yep. And I, and I, for me, I love, I love creating. So I don't think writing will ever not be a part of what I'm doing. I just also know, like, uh, for me, I was touring back home um, to a certain degree, uh, but I haven't toured in this magnitude before. Mm -hmm. So I at least want to experience this um, and, you know, eventually get to a point where I'm like, all right, cool. All right, now now I can now I can hone in or spend more time there. But I'm always I got tons of voice voice memos on my phone of you know songs that I've came up with and stuff like that. But I I just for me I know I I, I want to hone in so much on why I'm very focused on why I moved here. Yeah. And like I said, things may change. You know, God may have another direction, but. I know why I, you know, came here and yeah. what I really want to do. And, you know, a lot of it is happening and I'm blessed that it's happening at this rate. And I'm extremely grateful. And I, I don't want to, you know, underplay or take anything for granted, man. Like winning awards for, you know, that song. I'm extremely grateful for that. Um, being able to do certain things with commercials and all of that. That's that's a huge blessing you know like i said that's another thing i would have never thought of that's something i wanted to do but i never would have thought it would have you know came to you know came to light so i just i just put a lot of effort into 
learning what I need to learn. Like, I don't, I need to be learning about EQing and all of this stuff. So it's a lot of stuff that you need to learn that one time that I don't, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on um, a lot of writing stuff because I feel like that, that to some degree, I'm always hearing melodies and I feel like that stuff kind of comes somewhat easy to me because I'm always hearing stuff. Um, so I just try my hardest to, you know, hone in on uh, plan A. Like plan A is very in, important to me. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. That that it requires a lot of attention uh, if you want to do it at the level that you're doing it. You know, already. But to keep that going, keep that plate spinning. Um, you know, it, it's interesting in this town. It's saturated with musicians. And it seems overwhelming, but the opportunities are there as well. You know. Yep. Yep. And 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 speaking of which, um, you were just on. Uh, was it the Today Show? Yeah. Yep. And and yep. who's uh, Mickey Guyton? Mickey Guyton. Yep. Guyton. Okay. Yep. So that's an example of somebody that you're tra- doing some work with. W- what's involved with that? Is that keeping you busy? Yeah. So Mickey, Mickey, um, Mickey is one. She's a sweetheart, man. Um. The whole camp, everybody surrounded around her is such sweethearts. The it's so Mickey has uh how can I say this? Mickey has um an amazing assignment um to do what she's doing. And I think she's the perfect person to do it. Um the the great thing about her is she does like a lot of TV date stuff mm-hmm. and um we'll do like some one-offs and stuff like that. But I've like filled my schedule up with a couple different things, just working, you know, just to make sure I can do what I need to do on my end. But, um, it's always a, it's always an honor to do stuff like that with her because she makes it worth like worthwhile as far as not even money, man, just attitude. Like, Oh, that goes, yeah. (laughs) Like just being, just being like, uh, everybody's a team player. You know what I mean? Like it, it makes showing up to work that much better. Um, from the MD on down. Well, especially, you know, doing TV dates, sometimes you gotta be up at like four in the morning and, and we were up, I was up four 30, um, Friday and, you know, just to get myself ready, get prepped. And then we had to, you know, we where we were staying, the hotel we were staying in was right around the corner. So instead of us, you know, getting car service, we was like, we'll just walk. And I'm really big on like being comfortable and dialing in tones. So like I get there, I got there a couple of minutes after the sound man got there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm really big on that. And I, I don't, you know, ever want to be guessing. You never want to be guessing in a live, <laughs> a live situation on anything. Um, so yeah, I, I that that whole crew, everybody from that crew is so so sweet, man, and and they're they're amazing people. Um, but it's a it's a joy to work with her. That's amazing. Uh, tell me more about that though. Dialing it in. I mean, everyone's yeah, tuning the drums, but we're talking about an in ear mix and you know trying to find those things. And I, are you working with a local crew? Or are you flying with an engineer? No, we normally travel with uh, with monitor engineers and house guys. Um, so, like, so for instance, for the Today Show, we did we did a rehearsal, and the monitor engineer uh, is in town. So, 
we dialed in the mix. We were using the same board on a Today Show that we were using in rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So he just, you know, took the file, put it in there, and we was all good to go. So that way, you know, it was minor adjustments that need to be made um, instead of people being very uncomfortable. I'm starting to get to a place where I'm able to do more with my mix than just adjust volume. Yep. Can you talk about what more you're doing with the technology that is affording us these luxuries so that if the opportunity is there, like, hey, guess what? Now you can do this. You can do that. We got got an X32 running, and uh, you got your own mix. And what do you want on that floor time? What do you want on this? You know, what what are you doing? So what I'm 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 normally doing like I um so I country when I'm playing this country pop like Mickey gig and hundred gig I'm playing one up one down. Um, what I normally do is the the biggest thing for me is being able to hear what's guiding me. <laughs> like that's so important to me. So um, click is is king. Um, to me, like it's it's king because the lights are attached to that. <laughs> the stems are attached to that. Everything is attached to that grid. Yeah. So um, that's important to me. So I'll 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 tell the engineer like, hey, may I need to click on top of all of us. And, you know, sometimes when uh, most of the times it's so weird to me because I'll have to like really pay attention to make sure I'm on the grid because it'll get out. It'll get lost. And, and I'll, it won't like, I know I'm not off, but I'm so dialed into the grid so much. So I'll be like, Hey, can I get guitars at this volume? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like my, I don't like stuff panned like that. Um, yeah, me neither. Like, I don't, (laughs) I don't like stuff panned. So I'll do drum straight, uh, straight up in the middle. Um, overheads, I'll take them out probably. Me too. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, snare bottom is definitely probably out. Um, when it when it comes down to my main snare, if I'm playing like a ballad, super ballady, gushy thing, I'll put you know on the side. I'll put snare bottom mic in. Um, but like everything is straight up in the middle. Like I don't adjust to like the panning where people are on stage. I don't do that. Um, vocalist is up. I don't like any other um, background vocals in my mix. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. take them out um, unless it's like a talk back or something. And nine times out of ten, they got a switcher. Uh, right. So for me, I, I just try to relay the best way I can as to, you know, even though some certain things that work in the studio don't work live, um, I'll try to relay them the best way I can. Uh, so like, it's, it just come down basically boils down to I feel like a lot of what I what we do as far as from a drummer's perspective relies on tuning. Um, mm, okay. If your drums are tuned well, the engineer can get you to where you need to be. Once you learn like, hey, this this Thomas may be gated too much. Can you loosen that up? Right. Uh, can you loosen that up for me? And all right, cool. If you got a sub behind you, let's. I'm not, I'm only feeling, you know, I'm not feeling, I'm only feeling kick in the sub. Can you put the toms in the sub as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if you got a gong drum or whatever the case may be, throw that in the sub too. Throw the SPD, the SPD in there or whatever triggers you're using. Um, so when you hit the low end on that uh, particular pad, you'll feel it. 
Mm-hmm. So everything is a is geared around filled with me. Um, so I I just try to make my pack a lot easier. You know, I, I wish it would be sweet if we had like avions or you know um, P16s, but that's too. I think that's too much for um, uh, you know the TV shows and stuff they do. They want more of a clean look and where you're not fiddling with stuff. That's true. So, that's true. Yeah, there is a look about it, and even some of the SPD stuff doesn't always look super cool yeah. uh, in, in, in my opinion um, I know a couple guys that that take that and put that inside of a shell of a drum mm-hmm. and so it, it from the you know audience perspective it just looks like it looks like drum. a drum yeah yep. it's pretty cool uh, yep. yeah and also you could uh, you were talking about just like the, the the avion things that I think some people have used and all buttons and stuff like that but I know that with the with some boards that have routers attached to them whether it's um I know Yamaha does that, but also I'm trying to think of who makes the X32 and the X32. Yep, M32. you can pull up the app on your phone. Yeah, app on your phone. I do that on an iPad, and and it's it's pretty cool. But man, it yep. it's, it technology, man. I know, I know. Um, one of the last things I wanted to ask you about was was just your website, and uh, I don't know when when you came out with that or how involved you are in it. But there's some there's some cool things on there, some unique things on there, like. Um, there's these customizable denim jackets that you're doing mm-hmm. um, yep. and merchandise, other types of things like that. Um, one of the things that you, you, you had was just promoting the brand. What, 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 what's involved in that? And uh, has that worked well for you? Um, how involved are you in that in doing that? So I'm very involved in um, my brand and like my website. So a great friend of mine, a uh, childhood friend of mine named Tyler Standard back home in um, Chicago. He does. He's a tech guy. Um, for like anything in music tech wise, computer tech wise, like he's really good at that stuff. So he designed the st- the, the website um, and he just taught me ways to like kind of navigate when I want to upload new stuff, how to upload it, yeah. how it should look yeah. um, and stuff like that. But Branding wise for me is very important um, because I feel like that leaves a legacy uh, to what to what you created. You know, like certain people for me um, that I look at brand wise is Quest Love. Right. When you you see when you see Quest, um, you know, you know, you're looking at a fro. You're going to see a tall guy with a fro. He (laughs) may have a pick in that fro. Um, But that has generated. I'm just by looking at what he's done that has generated uh, a legacy that's going to live on forever. Um, yeah. Quest love has shoes. Not a deal. He had, I don't know if he still does, but he has a, he has shoes with Nike, multiple shoes, wow. um, like five, five different designs of shoes. I have one of them. Um, like when, when I think of branding, I look at him. Okay. Um, because he's he's made it he's made it so known to to where Questlove is a great drummer. Don't he's a great drummer, don't get me wrong, but he's made it so known to where the he's like, hey, artists like, hey, we need the roots, we need Quest. And and that's that stands out more than anything people don't even call him by his name anymore like that like they probably haven't called that man by his name <laughs> in years you know right. what i mean like they they call him quest love so for me um 
I think I, I, I pray I get to that point where, you know, like I'm at a point right now where a lot of people don't really call me like my name is Desmond Davis. Like a lot of people don't really call me by my name. They'll say, are you black drum hippie or a black drum hippie? And I think that's a gear in the right. That's a step in the right direction. Um, and that's why I want to be like, man, I, I really want to leave a legacy behind for my, you know, my kids and my family to where this this branding thing could do it. You know what I mean? Like I, I've watched a friend tour with the artist and the artist allowed him to sell his own merchandise. Oh. And still pay him. That's you get what I'm saying? And he yeah. made buku money. And 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 the artist understood that, hey, you know, he can latch his brand on onto mine, but of course he's not competing. He's just trying to make a better living style for himself. And that has essentially paid off. So like branding is, is really, is really big to me and, and being able to present things in a way, because now, um, nowadays social media is, is our business card. Um, yeah, very much so. And I mean, you're talking about like not only making more money, more opportunities to, you know, make more money, but also you're talking about uh, having more outlets to create, yep. Uh, yep. but getting more recognition in a sea of noise. For sure. And For sure. Yeah, I mean, we all think we're going to do it in some fashion on our instrument, which we can to a certain degree, but with the access to information and, and all the things that we, we can do now, uh, it does give you uh, an outlet to to be more expressive, and then hopefully more doors. I mean, gosh, you're right. I mean, Questlove, we know so much about him. So much, man. Just by the just the very name, not only just Jimmy Fallon, but just just. I mean, gosh, if Period. you just had an outline, just a shadow of him, you could identify him <laughs> right away. Like right away, you. Test. Right away, right <laughs> away, and that's and that's what that's what it is. Like I, I I tell friends all the time, like um, the artist I used to tour it back in Chicago, um, he used to work for Leo Burnett, and that's that's like a huge like marketing, um, just advertisement and branding uh, firm or whatever, and he's really really good at um, not only making things look good but just the presentation and how he puts it out. And um, I learned so much from him with that. And it was like, Hey man, look, you, you people, people can refer you for situations. They can definitely be like, Hey, he's the guy. And you know, if that person word is credible enough, that, that, that very well may get you through the door. But it's a lot of times where it comes up, where it's like, Hey, I'm referring this guy and they ask that person's name for a reason. Yeah. And the reason is to go and see what they have already done. And if you haven't done anything or if you don't post what you've done and you're not that far in the game where, you know, people don't even have to second guess, that can be an issue. I've seen friends lose work over not putting things on social media and what they have put on social media. Oh, and interesting. It's a it's a fine line between like knowing what to 
what to put on there, man, because you can be too opinionated on a platform like that and for sure lose work. And they'll, they'll, that don't even have to be your personality. People will judge you off of what you post. It's crazy, and, and, and it's a tough thing. I mean, because I don't know if everybody's wired that way, and, and sometimes it's difficult to get outside your comfort zone and post things. And, and I, I think that I, I struggle with that because I see things that are posted, and I'm like, oh, God, like, give it a rest, man. And, yeah. But they're just they're doing what they need to do. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I, I think that, that that prevents me from posting more things and uh, – like uh, nobody wants to see that. And yeah, like, no, I think you should post, man. You got you got a lot of information, man. Well, and I feel like <laughs> the, 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 the podcast gives me uh, kind of an excuse to post things uh, in extension of what I do and what Zach does. Um, Zach's really good at, at that more so than That's me amazing. in posting things about his gigs and what he's doing. Um, and that's that. That's worked well for him. He does it such a, such a, a good job. That's and, amazing. So, man, thank you so much. Yeah, Des, thank you, man. It's been a blast. Um, let's keep in touch. Um, send me your address when you get a chance, uh, or maybe we just make an excuse to, yeah, to meet up for grab some lunch Caribbean food, <laughs> and uh, and I'll 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 bring you a shirt. Sweet man, we'll do. I appreciate you, um, man. God's blessing and speed. Thank you, man. Albert, man, thank you for having me on, man. I uh, I really appreciate it. This is a great platform. I've listened to this plenty of times. Awesome. Well, thank um, you so much. Time, so, thanks, man, for having me on. Thanks for this time and and uh, Godspeed for the rest of this year. You too, man. Peace. Peace, man. See you. So there you have it. My conversation with the amazing Des Davis. If you get a chance to check him out live or even online, I encourage you to do so. What a great player and uh, even better person. It was really fun to have him on. Stay tuned next week for Zach Albetta's interview with the amazing Billy Drummond. Jazz great. Played with people like Sonny Rollins, Horace Silver, and pretty much everyone else. So I'm very excited to hear that. But for now, everyone, thanks so much for listening. Stay safe, stay sane, and uh, hope to see you around. Bye-bye.